Greetings, greetings once again to all my enemies and all my friends. And it's the Weekly Worldview. It's the show where we don't take calls, we don't tolerate sponsors, but we do help focus you this week on... Just normal things, normal. And I think that's why the left hates Valentine's Day. They hate Valentine's Day because it reminds them of things that are normal and the former standard for what was beautiful and lovely and good, which was just normal, which was love between men and women. Well, between a man and a woman even. And so they hate it, they despise it. And so instead of celebrating love, they celebrate at the Coliseum. But we'll go for, in fact, speaking of all that, we go to the cold-blooded murder file where a new celebration for Valentine's Day has been announced by the Humane Society in Hamilton, Ohio. Breitbart calls it a clever idea for people needing a smile. On Valentine's Day, for a $5 donation, the Humane Society in Hamilton, Ohio, will write your ex's name in a litter box and give it to the cats. And then on Valentine's Day, staff members will share video footage showing names inside the litter boxes. Uh, According to its website, the Humane Society of Hamilton, Ohio... According to its website, their mission is to promote humane principles and to act as advocates for animals. That's about right. So I wonder, do you get to send the video to your ex in a text so that they can become enraged? So I just never remember reading stories about uh, hateful, mean, uh, just vicious cuts as being a celebratory uh, mechanism for Valentine's Day. It's a new one on me. But perhaps I haven't been paying attention, and since I've never been divorced, maybe I don't just don't get these type of uh, notifications. I don't know. Maybe if we get divorced, we'll get all these notifications, he said. Mm. To his extremely attractive. You won't get them anyway just because you're not on social media. Well, uh, speaking of notifications... We got one this past week right in your face. In fact, this is from the In Your Face file where Vice President Kamala Harris said on TV on Thursday that she had not seen the video of First Lady Jill Biden kissing her husband on the mouth at the State of the Union address on Tuesday. So another woman kisses her husband on the mouth on national television on tu- on on Tuesday. She says on Thursday she hasn't seen that uh, video. That's yeah, that's she was asked about it. And she said, quote, no, I haven't watched the video. Unquote. Uh, according to the New York Post, the first lady and the second gentleman are working arduously, 
Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. This is not according to the New York Post. This is according to Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris herself says the first lady and the second gentleman, that's my husband, are working arduously on what we are doing with my husband against anti-Semitism. <laughs> Excuse me? First of all, I don't understand what that means. Second of all, your, your husband and the first lady are probably working a lot harder than you think. Or maybe she knows because this is right in your face. It's as if the top leadership in, in politics and culture want to put right in your face that they're just a bunch of pervert deviants. And they don't care if you know because they don't have to they don't really have to hide it or cover anything up anymore. The New York Post calls it a well-rehearsed kiss. And I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if they just imply that they did it on purpose and had practiced or just that it was fairly obvious from that kiss that that wasn't their first kiss. On the mouth, which is just gross and disgusting. But it's right in your face, America. Everything that was good and lovely and beautiful has been rendered as abnormal now, and the abnormal, freakish, and ugly is now being promoted as what is good. Speaking of that, we go to Madonna. From the dead and bloated file, the New York Post report. <laughs> from the dead and bloated file, the New York Post reports. Listen to how they introduce Madonna. And if you haven't seen the pictures, I'll, I'll post a link to the article because it's frightening. 64-year-old boundary-breaking musician. That's how they introduce Madonna. Boundary-breaking? Yeah, she's breaking the boundaries of how a normal face is shaped. Because hers now looks like a melon. Or something, something like a bag of lemons. Her face does now. Uh, critics deemed her new face unrecognizable as she appeared at some sort of satanic music worship event that apparently takes place every year around this time. I was not familiar, and I'm not even going to name it because my extremely attractive audio engineer and I have agreed that it shall not be named. That's all. But it's a satanic music worship event that takes place every year around this time. And Madonna is upset that people have called her unrecognizable, hideous, ugly, or, here on the Weekly Worldview, dead and bloated. <laughs> Madonna doesn't like that. And she's upset that people didn't focus on her speech, but instead focused on how she looks. Which is strange, because that's how she made her whole career. Was... Forcing people to focus on how she looked. As she exposed herself assiduously all the time, every day, night and day, all the time on TV to everybody. Uh, instead of focusing my on my speech, people chose only to talk about photos of me taken with a long lens camera, which distorts, which would distort anyone's face. A long lens camera. Yeah, we'll have to look into that. You know what distorts a person's face is when you pump it full of eight uh, syringes of hyaluronic acid filler. That's uh huh. That's what that's what distorts anyone's face. Forget the long lens camera. That's a nice excuse. 
Um, anyway, she says she's been caught in the glare of ageism and misogyny that permeates the world we live in. A world that refuses to celebrate women past the age of 45. 45? Give me a break, Madonna. You think you're going to get 45? Come on. <laughs> you're almost 70. Deal with it. She says, I have been degraded by the media since the beginning of my career. <laughs> Your career is being degraded by the media, Madonna. You defiled yourself for money for the better part of 50 years. So what? Now we're supposed to feel sorry for you that you've been tossed aside and you're being forced to bloat your face up just to try to hide the wrinkles? You, anyway, it's, it's very sad, actually. We should have compassion for Madonna. Except for the fact that she's unrepentant and continues to encourage women to defile themselves. And so until she repents, it's very difficult for us to have sympathy. Uh, but we, we, we care for Madonna in the same way that we care for any other lost heathen out there on their way straight to hell with jet rockets. And we hope she repents. But we also acknowledge that she is an active enemy. And so we will continue to mock her and to do whatever we can to encourage her to change her evil ways. Let's see here. What else does she have to say? Should we even go into this? She says, I look forward to many more years of standing up to the patriarchy. See, this is why we can't be friends. Uh, and most of all, she says she looks forward to enjoying her life. And then she uses some profanities and some vulgarities. Enjoy your life, Madonna. It's not your life. And that's going to become very obvious to you, Madonna, when you fall down on the ground and you're unable to get up again. Which is going to happen to you no matter how much HA you inject into your face. So, and no matter how many drugs you take and no matter how, much, how many millions of dollars you have... At some point, gravity is going to pull you down on the ground, and you are not going to be able to overcome it. And you're going to realize that it wasn't your life after all, and then your life will be taken from you. A source close to the singer, Madonna, they call her a singer now. At the beginning, they called her a boundary-breaking musician. <laughs> okay, well, that was a stretch. I mean, the boundary-breaking, maybe not, but the musician, singer, uh, okay. <laughs> A source close to the singer told the Post that she wants to look like the 2000s Madonna and, and refers to herself in the third person. Okay. <laughs> well, that's not surprising. She looks like a parody of an overly puffed up, uh, uh, like a blown up victim of cosmetic dermatology and plastic surgery. She's the worst victim of everything that could have gone wrong. Over the past 20 years in cosmetic dermatology and plastic surgery. And she's a parody of that. That's how bad she looks. I mean, that looks bad. But she looks like a parody of that. And now speaking of parodies of, of a parody. I have a report on uh, Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton w announced last week that the Clinton global infection. I'm sorry. I gotta get my glasses here. The Clinton Global Initiative started by my husband. That's why I had assumed it was an infection. She said it was started by her husband. She said, quote, 
The Clinton Global Initiative, started by my husband, will work with our partners to launch a $50 million global climate resilience fund for women. Uh-huh. Parse that one out. A global climate resilience fund for women. She's hitting on all the key words. Climate, you've got resilience, you've got women. Of course, she mentions the $50 million because, because she's a greedy old bag who's driven by a lust for money. And people driven by a lust for money tend to mention how much money they're giving, even when it's other people's money, which is kind of odd. I mean, if it was her money, she could brag that she was giving $50 million. Of course, if it was her money and she was actually giving $50 million to something, she wouldn't brag about it. Because people who give $50 million to something, I mean, genuinely, who care about something, they don't want to brag about it. But Hillary's not that type. Uh, she is driven by avarice and a lust for money. So she mentions the $50 million. She mentions resilience and the climate and women. And what, what is her $50 million global climate resilience fund for women going to do besides, you know, bring in girls for Bill, which is what the initiative was always uh, designed around. And we'll get to some of that a little later. We'll return to Bill Clinton. Hillary says this fund will empower women and your communities to have access to resources that will make you resilient to the effects of climate change, like extreme heat. <laughs> so Hillary Clinton, uh, it's not that she thinks she's God or anything, but she thinks she can protect women from heat. <laughs> Globally, of course. Um, it's just the fund is intended... Now listen to this. The, the fund is intended to help local entrepreneurs connect with the carbon markets and monetize carbon credits that their activities generate. Who can tell what any of that even means? You know what it means? It just means the grift is on again. Bill and Hillary have found a way to resurrect their global uh, uh, inf infestation their global initiative, and the grift is on again. I'm not sure if this means she's running for office or I don't know. But one thing I can tell you um, is that she and Bill, what this means is she and Bill are about to start once again getting a cut of some of the flow of other people's money. Mm -hmm. While the climate and the poor and the women will emerge Unaffected in any way for the better, but Bill and Hill will be in on the grift. And by the way, I have to ask the question, in light of Madonna's facial events, is Hillary Clinton morphing into George Soros? Look at the pictures. Look at this. I don't know if she's turning into him or maybe it turns out they're related or perhaps they're just animated by the same demonic spirit. But I, I'll post the picture. Is Hillary morphing into Soros?
It's the Weekly Worldview, and I am your host, Doug McBurney. And there goes Hillary and George over to the side over there with Madonna in the pile over there. And then we come back to the... We come back with the widespread terror file. <laughs> I said widespread terror. The Daily Mail reported that the Pentagon announced last week, while all eyes were on the skies, following the balloon across, or now balloons, now they're just unidentified flying objects, <laughs> now they're silver, cylindrical, tubular, unidentified, over, over Trudeau's house, we got objects. While all that was going on, the Biden administration released Al-Qaeda terrorist Majid Khan, into Belize after Majid spent 16 years in custody at Guantanamo Bay being hardened. No, no, being reformed. I'm sorry. <laughs> he was, according to reports, a close personal ally of Al-Qaeda leader Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. He helped deliver money and transport other senior terrorists from place to place. And he would have attacked U.S. gas stations and water reservoirs, but he was a second or third string talent and was never able to pull it off and ended up got it. He was arrested by even the relatively hapless members of the United States government managed to arrest him. That's how third string talent was Majid Khan. But who knows, after 16 years... In CIA custody at Guantanamo, he might he might graduate to first string full on terrorist at some point in the not too distant future. But uh, now he says, uh, now well well before we get to what he says, the United States announced uh, as they released this terrorist that they are working diligently to free two other terrorists as soon as possible because you know why I don't know should you don't ask look to the sky. What's that? It's a UFO. Khan spoke. <laughs> it's, it's like a Star Trek. It's like, it's like a Star Trek episode. Khan spoke to reporters at the Daily Mail. He said, the world has changed a lot in 20 years, and I have changed as well. I promise all of you, especially the people of Belize, that I will be a productive, law-abiding member of society. Thank you for believing in me. I will not let you down. My actions will speak louder than my words. Allah u Akbar. Oh, I added the Allah u Akbar. That was great. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll keep track of uh, Khan's uh, career here. See if he comes off the bench in it. In the old football vernacular here. Uh, see if he c comes off the bench. No, I think that's a basketball thing. I'm not up on my sports vernacular since I stopped paying attention. I don't know, when I, when I was a child. I don't know, when I grew up anyways. All right. From there, we go to the real science file where a Dutch researcher... This is from NTD.com. That's November Tango Delta.com. A Dutch researcher accurately predicted there, that there would be a 7.5 magnitude earthquake uh, right around the area in Turkey just days before it happened, right where it did happen. And I think there's over 30,000 dead now. 
Just awful, horrible pictures. Wow. Devastating. And this event this week really does highlight uh, the, the significant threat. Speaking of public health emergencies of international concern, I wouldn't call it an emergency, but it certainly is a public health issue, is earthquakes. And they're only going to, going to get worse as the, as the globe becomes more unstable, as it breaks down. And so governments should be focused on not aerosol respiratory viruses, which are virtually indefensible, but on, uh, but on figuring out earthquakes. Well, Frank Hugerbeets works, works at the Solar System Geometry Survey and the a Netherlands-based institute that monitors geometry between celestial bodies related to seismic activity. And he predicted that there would be, a, he posted it up on Twitter a couple days before it happened. He said, I think within a couple days there's going to be an earthquake right here. And sure enough, there was. Um, according to their monitoring activities, specific geometry in the solar system may cause larger earthquakes. The specific geometry between celestial bodies that is associated with larger earthquakes is generally referred to as critical planetary geometry and critical lunar, lunar geometry as the moon is, is involved, obviously. Critical geometry does not always result in larger earthquakes, but is, it is a key condition. Uh, when you add to that the condition of the Earth's crust and the amount of stress between plates and whether or not a fault has reached its strain budget. This would logically indicate a direct relationship between the buildup of stress in the Earth's crust and electromagnetic charge from critical planetary geometry. Wow. Anyway, now the USGS and everyone else, the, as soon as this guy's tweet went viral because... Well, they, what they said, look, we can't predict this. We can't predict earthquakes. Don't, don't take from this that we can. And, okay, I, I, I agree, you can't. But this guy did, so, well, you should be talking to this guy. Get with these fellows and compare notes. And um, <laughs> stop issuing memos at the USGS about diversity and inclusion and equity. And help get with these guys and figure out how to predict earthquakes. So that you can perform one of the just functions of government, which is to prevent loss of life in natural disasters. That's why you. That's why you're here, USGS. You're not here to turn everybody queer for crying out loud. All right, now, now we go to the coincidence file. What is a coincidence? Well, you have an incident, and then you have another incident that's similar or or suggestive or even oddly similar and so that's a co you have a coincidence you have two incidents that are coincidence and in this case we have a number of them uh new In new zealand i'm sorry not new england new zealand's largest egg farm was destroyed by a fire just this past week yeah and that's after, that's after America's third largest egg supplier, Hillendale Farms, burned to the ground a week before. And it's just coincidence. 
Uh, and it's not just, the, these are not just two coincidences. There's like 40 or 50 coincidences now. And the chickens go off right on, listen to that. The chickens are not happy about this. This news comes as a string of incidents has impacted the global f- food supply chain. So we've got food and feed and egg and dairy burning to the ground left and right. And uh, I'm open to the idea that this always happens and we just never paid attention before. And now that we have the interweb, we can see everything. But I don't know. It just seems coincidental, too coincidental to be coincidence. I mean, along with the dozen or so young, healthy people who dropped dead last week, just the ones that made the news, the ones that were somewhat famous or it was so shocking that it actually made the news, like a dozen just in the past week. Maybe that happened all the time. Young, young people were dropping dead all the time and food plants and egg, egg farms were being raised to the ground all the time. Maybe that happens. And we're just noticing it more because uh, the incidents now are being serially reported. That's that. Maybe that's it. Maybe now because the news media has taken notice. Now that every time a young, healthy person drops dead, it makes the news. And every time, every time a large food processing plant burns to the ground, it gets reported now. And you, before we just never noticed that. Wait a minute. Well, I know somehow I don't think so. <laughs> But I do hope that's the case because, well, anyway, the alternative is a little bit creepy and weird and scary. And um, I just hope the reality is that everything's fine and everybody's going to be okay. That's what I hope the reality is. But I get a sneaking suspicion that that's not the case. That's all. And I call me paranoid. But just because you're paranoid doesn't mean there isn't someone out to get you. Just keep that in mind. All right. Now, speaking of all that, listen to this. I will post the link to this article because it's probably the most comprehensive, not probably, it's the most comprehensive article on the history of the crisis and the conflict in Ukraine that's happening, that's coming to a head right now, that I have read since the whole thing erupted and I started covering it back in 2014. I know, everyone says we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of the war in Ukraine. No, we're not. We're coming up on the eighth or ninth year. I think, yeah. So the war's been going on since 2014 when the Western powers overthrew and installed their puppet and then when he became too cumbersome, they, they disinstalled him and installed Zelensky. And finally, Putin said, look, I'm taking, I'm taking it again. And uh, anyway, uh, this, this article is called What You Should Know About Ukraine. And the author says there's a number of points he wants to make. He says, who started the war? His answer, Ukraine started the war. I disagree. I think NATO started the war. NATO started it. Yes, that's my uh, number two. Uh, he says, was the Russian invasion a violation of inter- international law? He says, no, the Russian invasion should be approved under United Nations Article 51. Well, I don't know about all that. And I don't think any country has the right outside of a, a, a significant geopolitical immorality that's occurring. No country has the right to topple the government of another country and install their puppet. 
unless there's something really gross and bad going on. So, I mean, someone probably has the right to topple the United States government at this point. And I shouldn't even laugh about that. I shouldn't even laugh because it's actually dangerous. And the fact that we are open to being guilty enough for that to be justified is kind of depressing. But was Ukraine a justified episode in toppling whoever the guy was? Was it Poroshenko, the guy who was friendly to Russia? I, well, I just don't know. But uh, anyway, the whole thing that's erupted after since then is very well covered in this article. The third question the, the author poses, could the war have been avoided if Ukraine had declared neutrality? And met Putin's demands. Answer, yes, the war could have been avoided. And we know that now because there was a peace deal that the Russians and the Ukrainians were open to agreeing to. But the West and NATO came in and they said no. And so I heard a couple of uh, right wing talk show host types who I agree with on many issues. And I heard both of them defending the NATO war in Ukraine. As if we're living in 1975 and we're going up against the Soviet Union. And you know what these so-called conservatives who believe that we need to destroy Russia, what they need to keep in mind is that it's not 1975. The Soviet Union doesn't exist anymore. And Russia, Russia is not the equivalent of the Soviet Union. Russia's not a giant artificial prison camp with no right to exist any longer. That's not the case. And so we need to stop acting like that before we all end up in World War III and we get everyone in Ukraine killed. Worldview, and I'm your host. Doug. What is that? That sounds. That's that sounds like with one of those Ukrainian Nazi brigade theme songs that they play right before they put on their swastikas and uh, it's very violent sounding. <laughs> All right. So from there, from the Nazis in Ukraine, on which side? We well. Uh, from there, we go into the dim new world file, and this is this is diabolical. The CDC has changed the routine Im- immunization schedules to include the COVID vaccine. What does this mean? Children between six months and fifteen months old will receive a two or three dose primary series and a booster. Of the COVID vaccine that is obviously dangerous, especially for young people. So anyway, this is why I call this entire COVID event a hysteria, because only in a in a in a a, a, a twisted, hysterical state of mind could people accept this. And I'm convinced 
that the authorities who took advantage of the panic and then pushed people for two years to behave like hysterical, mind-altered zombies, I think they've achieved their goal in that now, because they managed to get away with this for a couple of years, that people are actually going to accept this. I mean, not everybody, but almost everybody. Uh, This is from the Daily Wire. The CDC has changed the schedules. Officials at the Public Health Agency, really Daily Wire, you're going to call the CDC a public health agency? I listen to your talk shows. I listen to all your personalities. So why do you why do you give the CDC in your in your printed article the credibility of being a public health agency when all of your talk show hosts all the time point out that they're nothing like that anymore? I think the Daily Wire has its fair share of leftist urinalists. And they need to be they need to be rooted out. Anyway, um, anyway, the 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 CDC now recommends recommends that children between six months and 15 months old receive a, a shot that could very well alter their life to the, to the negative, hurt them or kill them or, or sterilize them. The, the bottom line is we don't know what's going to happen to six-month-old children you're injecting with an experimental vaccine against a cold bug that'll never make them sick even, for crying out loud, you maniacs. So anyway, so the CDC does this. This is a recommendation. They say it's not a demand. It's not a regulation. It's not a rule. It's not a law. We're not making anyone do anything. We're just suggesting it. And so... What, why this is so diabolical is because the bureaucracies of almost every institution and large organization in the country simply require obedience to the routine immunization schedules as laid out by the CDC. They simply demand and require adherence to this for membership or for if you want to send your kid to school, you have to do this. If you want to join our company, you have to do this. If you want to join our club, you have to do this. Because the CDC and the and the United States government in general spent the better part of two centuries building up a large reservoir of credibility and trust with the people. And now that the now that the uh, the machine has been taken over by our communist adversaries, and turned against us as a weapon. Apparently, we're going to feed each other into it unwittingly. I, I don't understand it myself, but and well, I suppose I do understand it. I mean, I believed them for most of my life. I mean, and and I've I think I've admitted it before, but I'll admit it again. I was wrong to have ever advocated that vaccines should be mandatory. Number one. Or that not taking a vaccine was somehow morally deficient. I was wrong. I wish I'd have never bought into all of that. I was a part of the problem that led to this vaccine groupthink. That now I'm concerned. I ha- I think all of us have a legitimate concern that starting injecting little babies with this. I mean, that could kill millions of people. I mean, it's quite possible that the vaccines are already going to kill millions of people. 
a lot earlier than they would have died. I mean, that's quite possible just based on the data we have now. And you want to start injecting six-month-old kids? Are you people crazy? Oh, and so, yeah, that was hyperbole when I said that this cold bug will never even make them sick because it might make them sick. I apologize for any hyperbole. A six-month-old baby who catches the COVID virus might get sick. Yes, I do admit that is true. And so, so, I have corrected myself. They might get sick. So let's give them the vaccine that might kill them or sterilize them. No, I don't think so. All right, from there we go into the personhood file where the pro-life Spider-Man scaled a skyscraper in Phoenix. Mason DeChamp, who calls himself the pro-life Spider-Man, climbed up the Chase Tower at 9 a.m. in broad daylight for TV cameras and everyone else. And when he got near the top before the cops arrested him, he stopped and he made a, a video and posted it to social media saying that he was climbing to raise money for a woman named Hope, who's 20, 22 weeks pregnant. He wants to help her. She has some disabilities. And he's part of an organization called LetThemLive.org. And he says, we will, if you want to donate, go to LetThemLive.org and let's help Hope choose life. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I like this kid. He is all right. And it reminds me, um, I remember in Colorado when we were trying to gain publicity for, we had an anti-abortion effort, the personhood campaign, and we were trying to, we were wondering how could we get people's attention? Because the thing is, is when you're, when you're preaching righteousness and truth, the enemy's greatest weapon against you is to simply ignore you and not give you a platform to get anyone's attention. And so I suggested that the best way to get their attention would be to light myself on fire and dive from the Capitol Dome into the well of the legislature while it was in session. And I, I predicted that even if I did that, it would barely make the nightly news, and that's only if someone else caught on fire or something else that they were interested in caught on fire. Once they found out it was a pro-life Christian then uh, cut, they cut away to the, uh, the football game or something like that. But anyway, this guy, Mason Deschamps, he has better tactics and social media skills. You know, and he doesn't have to rely on the broadcast media to get his story out. And so for all the young people out there, this guy should be uh, an inspiration on how it is that you bypass the ignorance, the, the deliberate ignorance of the media and get your message out via social media, you have to do something compelling. And uh, he's, I had thought about lighting myself on fire and diving into the well of the legislature. He, he instead is climbing high above it, uh, which is a much better idea because you can do that more than once, which is way to go, Mason. All right. We like the guy. Go to letthemlive.org, where this guy's name doesn't appear anywhere because what he's doing is technically illegal, so nobody... <clears throat> Well, we're willing to associate ourselves with him publicly, despite the fact that what he's doing is illegal. And we're, we're willing to publicly encourage him to continue doing so. Uh, and we're happy to do that. Thank you, Mason Deschamps. Uh, from there, we go to reason number 2016 to get or keep your children out of government schools. Uh, the video we saw this past week of the 14-year-old boy beating a 9-year-old girl. Oh, I'm sorry. What? I, let me do it how Breitbart reported it. 
The boy in a maroon-colored shirt was allegedly hitting a girl wearing a white top. Okay, listen, Breitbart journalists. I watched the video. Uh-huh. Allegedly? I, I, and that means don't believe your own eyes because the lawyers might sue you. I don't know what it means. I watched the video. There was a boy in a maroon-colored shirt. He was beating a girl with a white cap. I can tell you that was not alleged. I saw it on the video. Anyway, now the Florida state attorney down there, Catherine, she has filed criminal battery charges against the boy in juvenile court for pummeling the younger student, Breitbart says, the younger student. Uh, how come they don't point out that it was a girl? Oh, well, that's all alleged. We don't really know. I mean, you saw the video, but come on. Who are you going to believe? Us or your own eyes? We're urinalists. Anyway, um, so we saw the boy hit the girl, and then we saw the guy in the hoodie just pound the girl, just beating on her. We all saw the video. It was horrifying. And I can't, was it on a school bus? I'm not sure where this happened. I think it was a school bus. Anyway, the mother, the mother of the victim has taken issue with the school's approach to dealing with bullying and violence. Well, good for her. I hope she takes issue with it enough to get her kid out. The mother has expressed that she intends to press charges against the boys who beat on her nine-year-old girl. Well, it's good that she presses charges. That's something. But, I mean, if you keep sending your girl back to school, you're going to press charges. The boys are going to face the charges. They're going to get out and nothing's going to happen to them. And then they're going to beat your girl up. Maybe come and beat you up. I mean, discretion is the better part of valor, Mom. And there's a time when you just walk away or run even. So that's what we would suggest. Reason number 2016 to get or keep your children out of the government schools. They may be pummeled. Pummeled on the bus. From there, reason number 2017 to get or keep your children out of the government schools. Uh, last week, uh, uh, the body of Luz Hernandez, who was a mother of three children and a 33-year-old Jersey City kindergarten teacher, was found... In what I don't understand the journalism here. Oh, this is the police. The police said that the body of the mother of three, kindergarten teacher, was found buried in what appeared to be a shallow grave. Okay, well, if it appeared to be a shallow grave, I think it was a shallow grave, especially since her dead body was found in it. That would indicate that it was, in fact, a shallow grave. But since we can't be sure of anything, we're going to say it appeared to be a shallow grave. What made you think it was a shallow grave? Well, there was the dead body. Oh, okay. Appearances being what they are. Anyway, uh, so reason number 2017 to get or keep your children out of the government school. You don't want your kid to be the one to find their kindergarten teacher buried in a shallow grave, what appears to be a shallow grave. Anyway, I read the whole story. About Luz Hernandez, beautiful woman, mother of three, 33 years old, kindergarten teacher, loves kids. No mention of her husband's reaction to the finding of her body. So why would that be? That we do a whole article about a woman who's found murdered in a shallow grave and there's no reporting about her husband's reaction. The father of her children appears nowhere in the story. How is that? Well, one of two things. 
fathers are disappeared in media reports. They are as disappeared in media reports as they are in real life. So either the leftist news media and the urinalists, even at Breitbart, which is supposedly right wing, the urinalists have been inoculated against reporting on f- that fathers even exist. That's the first possibility. And the second possibility is that the father of this woman's children was no longer present. So one of those two is true, and that's reason number 2017 to get or keep your children out of the government schools. Weekly Worldview, and I'm your host, Doug McBurney. Welcome back. We go from there into the silver lining file. That's right, the silver lining file. An estimated 240,000 students did not return to school following coronavirus and all the hysteria surrounding that. And, well, private and homeschooling enrollment surged during that time frame. But according to the journalists at Breitbart, they're concerned that these 240,000 students did not resume their studies elsewhere, but instead are unaccounted for, missing in action, so to speak. And we don't know about all that. I'm not sure about all that. But the silver lining is that K-12 enrollment across America fell by an astounding 1.2 million students. An astounding and glorious 1.2 million student decline in enrollments in the government schools across America following the coronavirus panic and ensuing hysteria that allowed the the communist takedown of America that they've been working for for so long. But there is a silver lining in that over a million kids apparently escaped the government schools. Apparently, uh, where are the 240,000 that are reported on here in, uh, in Breitbart? Well, I can tell you this, they're not working. That's the one thing we're sure of. They're not working. Um, School leaders have warned. uh, Leaders there at the government school complex have warned that, quote, when you lose kids, you lose resources. And that impacts your ability to serve kids, especially kids with very high needs, uh, which is what we specialize in is serving kids with high needs because, you know, So what that really means is the bureaucrats in charge of brainwashing and defiling and molesting children at the government schools are worried that they're losing money because enrollments are down. And when they lose money, they can't help kids with very high needs, which I think most of them qualify as children with very high needs. That's most of the teachers and administrators in the government school complex are actually children with very high needs. So especially when it comes to uh, meals and vacations, uh, clothing and cars, They're children with very high needs. And so get your kids out if you haven't already. Flee, run, head for the doors. 
Rush to the exits. Okay, now we go here now into the insurrection file from defiantamerica.com. A large mob recently stormed the Oklahoma Capitol. A mob, I tell you. Oh, were they wearing MAGA hats? Were they another MAGA insurrection, perhaps? Wait a second. Republican lawmakers are seeking... Oh, why did, why did they storm? The mob stormed the Capitol because in Oklahoma, Republican lawmakers are seeking to limit gender-affirming care uh, through bills, through, through legislation, and, uh, of course, the, uh, the queers, the faggots, the perverts... And the deviants and the sodomites are, uh, and the advocates of such are very upset about that. They say the Republican bills to limit gender-affirming care are extreme. That's what the queers say. Well, I'll tell you what's extreme is that the reporters at DefiantAmerica.com, which is an alternative right news site, use the term gender-affirming care in the article. I want to say to the reporters at DefiantAmerica.com, don't use the leftist nomenclature. Even if it's included in the quote that you're clipping as you make your... I mean, take that, make the, take the time and make the effort to take out the leftist nomenclature. It's not gender-affirming care. It's mutilation of vulnerable, uh, deranged, or mentally ill people. A vulnerable, deranged, and mentally ill people should not be mutilated. And so to call it gender-affirming care, just cut it out, okay? So what apparently has happened here is the Republicans want to limit the, the, the mutilation of, of vulnerable, mentally ill. Just limit it because they're Republicans. They don't believe in anything. Just like they want to limit the murder of innocent children. Just want to limit, regulate it. Apparently they want to regulate the mutilation of, of vulnerable people too. And because of that, the Marxists and the sissy fags have stormed the Capitol. And at last report, the only thing we know is that no one was arrested. That's, And there was no hoisting of the insurrectionist accusation banner against the, the Marxist sissy fag queers. Storming the Capitol there in Oklahoma. And uh, no exact word yet on what the limits are going to be for the mutilations. But the Republicans will get back to us on that. Because trust me, they're good at regulating uh, violence and bloodshed. We know that. Republicans are great at it. And so they'll do the same for the butchering of the genitals of teenagers. All right, so... Uh, South Dakota, we go to South Dakota now for more on the the regulation, a well-regulated environment of bloodshed and violence. Up there in South Dakota, uh, the Senate passed a bill that would ban the, ban the provision of hormone treatment, puberty, puberty blockers, and genital surgery from trans youth. That's right. The bill passed a vote of 30 to 4. And it would, uh, it would cause healthcare officials who violate it and actually mutilate children or give them powerful drugs to alter their hormonal balance for life. If they do that, they could lose their license and they could be sued civilly. And Christy Noem, the Republican governor in 
South Dakota, says she's going to sign the bill into law is what she's going to do. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so here's what's happening, folks. The devil wins the war an inch at a time. And he does it by convincing the other side that they're winning. So what, what you're going to hear about this in the so-called conservative media from the, from, the, from the empty suits over at the Daily Wire and right on up the chain to the sports geek and the other guy who took over for Limbaugh and uh, Hannity and everyone else who copies Hannity, who copied Limbaugh and all the rest of them. What you're going to hear is that we're winning. Christy Noem is the great white hope of conservatism. She wants to limit the, 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 the trans youth, the transitioning. Yeah, that's what you're going to hear. We're winning. What this new law does is it further and more specifically codifies and regulates so-called transgender surgery. So it normalizes and gives credibility to the idea that people should be able to mutilate their genitals if they're mentally deranged or vulnerable or ill or whatever their problem is. That's what this bill does. By limiting what can be done to the youth, you acknowledge what can be done to adults. And the devil's good with that. Just getting that into people's minds that that's okay, that the devil will take that. Yeah. The devil will take that because here's the thing. Not only now is the idea of transgender mutilation normalized in the, in the minds of normal people, but now the government is going to establish that if you violate our new law and you engage in such criminal behavior, well, that's now considered merely a civil or a professional violation. It's no longer criminal and the devil will take that. And furthermore, this law that's going to be called a victory establishes a mechanism by which the left will have an opportunity to legalize the mutilation of the youth at some future time. Because now you've established everything else and you've just set a limit here. That gives them a mechanism to eventually mutilate the children too. And the devil knows that he'll eventually get that. And so he'll take the other ones for now. Because you're a bunch of suckers and morons. And if you don't stand up and say that this is insanity, in fact, this is criminal insanity, and people who advocate for this should be arrested and put on trial. If you don't stand up and say that, the devil will eventually mutilate your own children right in front of your face. And he'll, he'll make you cheer. And I think there's a significant plurality in the country who's probably okay with that. Or too drugged out and too distracted and too overly medicated and entertained to even understand what's going on. Uh, case in point, reason number 2015 to get or keep your children out of, out of the government schools. Undercover footage from a Utah school district shows school officials discussing how they managed to get information in front of students without parents knowing. And this includes information directly from Planned Parenthood. That's right. The video came out of the Salt Lake City Schools and uh, uh, revealing that the Salt Lake City, the Salt Lake City School, the Salt Lake City, the, 
revealing that the Salt Lake City schools use a Planned Parenthood curriculum. Planned Parenthood sends staffers into the schools to talk to students. And parents appear not to be directly informed about it. Though, the school officials do say that the information's right there on our website. We put the information right there on page 87 of the website, knowing that the parents generally are not paying attention. Or we know that the parents are generally willfully ignorant. The same Republican parents who cheer Christy Noam for putting a little line around the, the mutilation of the children for a while, those same parents are the ones who send their kids into the schools and don't would rather not know exactly that Planned Parenthood is in there showing their children how to do this and that and whatever because... And so a generally distracted, affluent, self-absorbed populace feed their children into a cauldron and eventually will themselves be fed into the camps because that's what they deserve. Um so from there, we go to the politics file where CNN reports that Charles McGonigal, former FBI top counterintelligence official in New York, has been indicted for selling access to Russian and Albanian officials, selling access to classified material. Okay. Well, this hasn't been known to happen before, right? We have, we have spies who go to the other side for money. McGonigal is accused of allegedly working for one of Russia's most notorious oligarchs, Oleg Deripaska, who listened to how CNN says this. He was linked to the FBI's Russia probe. <laughs> linked to it. He was a part of it. I mean, these two guys were working together on it. <laughs> anyway, uh, the Russia probe that you remember, this was the guy that Paul Manafort was supposedly. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, turns out they were just a couple of spies for money. FBI officials told CNN they were stunned, stunned. And then CNN dutifully played along as if everyone was so stunned and shocked. Sources tell CNN that at least for now, FBI, the FBI have used McGonagall not as a spy, but more as a corrupt official looking to make a buck. Top FBI officials reject the idea of McGonagall's arrest as an embarrassment. <laughs> and instead they asked, what's embarrassment? We don't even know what that means. <laughs> McGonagall, what's going to happen to McGonagall? Uh, he'll probably get probation, and then he'll be given a professorship at a left-wing university, or he, he may possibly land a gig as a, a CNN commentator, or he might even get a show on CNN. I mean, somebody's got to do something about that disaster in the morning with, uh, with Dawn Lemon. So he might end up getting that gig, Mike McGonigal, since it's, it's not embarrassing at all. Uh, meanwhile, from the personhood file, I read this last Thursday. As soon as Friday, a district judge could block abortion pills across the U.S. That was the report. Uh, and then, of course, that did not happen. But the Alliance Defending Freedom, November 22, filed a lawsuit against the FDA alleging that the agency chose, chose politics over science in legalizing, approving, I'm sorry, the chemical abortion drugs, RU486, for use in the United States. 
I'll link to this article because it's interesting. It gives the whole history. Former President Bill Clinton, on his second day in office in January of 93, directed his cabinet to legalize abortion drugs. On his second day in office, Bill Clinton knew what he was here to do. Uh, ADF Senior Counsel Eric Baptist says the FDA's approval of chemical abortion drugs has always stood on shaky legal and moral ground. Well, it's nice of him to mention the moral ground. At least someone. I mean, he mentions it it, at least. That won't be the main avenue of attack because you can't do that anymore because when you tell the judge about morality, he he slams the gavel down and he says, Morality? What's that? We're not allowed to consider that. Anyway, folks, this abortion pill battle, this is the fight to finally codify what was much more than mere politics with Bill Clinton. (laughs) Why did Bill Clinton on his second day in office move the government to legalize abortion pills? It's because Bill wanted access to the pill himself legally. That's why he did it. And he has no doubt made use of the abortion pills more than once since he managed to get them approved by the FDA. And because our side permitted the decriminalization of sexual immorality, and then and then because of that, we, we permitted the legalization of surgical abortion, and then because of the sexual immorality, we eventually allowed the legalization of the abortion pill. And we did that due to our own weakness. Because of all that, now we're in a fight the final fight to codify the legalization of these abortion pills. And unless we repent of the very first sin of allowing the decriminalization of sexual immorality, unless we repent of that, we're not going to win this battle either. Because it's the original sin that's got us. It's the original sin. Oh, I had, I was going to talk about the, I was going to talk about the documents Anyway, I'll, I'll do this real quick. The raid at Mar-a-Lago and the discoveries of all these other classified documents, by the way, at all these former presidents, vice presidents' house, right? except for Barack Obama, of course. Have you noticed that? <laughs> He's the one guy who's emerged unscathed from, from the... Uh... Anyway, this appears to me to be someone telling America's elected officials who's actually in charge and, and just letting them know that it's not them. It's whoever can prosecute them. It's the Church of the Deep State telling them who's in charge. That's right, the Church of the Deep State led by the black bishop, well, half-black bishop, that would be Barack Obama. And then there's the dark high priestess of the Church of the Deep State, Michelle Obama, and her fallen angels, Victoria Nuland, Valerie Jarrett, Susan Rice, you remember, right? And the animating spirit of the evil trinity atop the Church of the Deep State. Who? George Soros? No, no. It's Michelle's mom. That's right. Michelle's mom the whole time. All right. That's it for the Weekly Worldview, folks. Thank you for listening in. I want to thank my friends at Real Science Radio. And should the Lord tarry, we will return next week. And until then, may the grace of God go with you. And may the peace of Jesus Christ be upon you. <laughs>